Storyside, can we honor and appreciate our veterans and their families today? Come on, let's send some love. Thank you for being a church that values honor as a high priority, and we honor and appreciate our veterans, their families. I also want to welcome all those joining us online. We have hundreds of people online, but a few of them, Sue Nye. Uh, we love the Nye family, Dr. Mike, the Subit family online. We love you guys. My dad, uh, Mike Pelkey, uh, I love you, Dad. I'm glad you're joining us today. Uh, Mary Jane Tomlinson, also from Canada, a couple Canadians in a row, whoop, whoop. Uh, there's some people here in the room that's been claiming they're moving up there with you, but I'm going to keep them here. I'm going to keep them here. Uh, Tim uh, is on fine, uh, online, Bliss and his family, Marta Moore. The list goes on. Storyside, would you put your hands together and welcome all those joining us online. I'm glad you're here today. I also wanted to make mention of some new staff members, some new team members that we have here at Storyside. Uh, Pastor Clint and Jill Tress uh, is joining us here at Storyside. We met them several years ago, and the very first night I met them, I told Nathan Fisher, I said, I could see us hiring Pastor Clint uh, to come and work at Storyside one day, and this is the day. Uh, so we are so excited. They're going to be helping with campus development. Uh, they'll be helping as a location pastor here in Belleville, and they are a fantastic family, a couple of little girls. Uh, and they are a great family. They're here, Pastor Clinton, Jill, on the front row today. They're girls. Would you welcome them? Let them know how great it is to have them at Storyside. I know that Regina mentioned our appreciation for your faithfulness and your giving and generosity, and I just want to echo, I just want to echo uh, that appreciation and let you know, really at all locations, uh, both East Knox, Ontario, here, Belleville, and of course, online. <clears throat> but thank you uh, so much for your generosity. Speaking of giving, I heard the joke. <laughs> about little Johnny. Little Johnny swallowed a quarter, and his mom was so alarmed. Uh, and so she's panicking, and she says to her husband, she sa said, quick, you, you need to call a doctor and Johnny's dad responded, no, no, we don't need to call the doctor. We need to call the preacher. And the mom said, well, what, you think Johnny's going to die? And the, and the father replied, no, I just know our preacher can get money out of anybody. Um, that's not funny. It's, it's not, that's not even funny. Um, but I do want to say thank you for all of those who stay faithful in giving in 2020 statistically across our nation. Uh, giving in some churches is way down with everything taking place. And uh, we share the concerns with those that maybe you feel like you can't right now, but for a church that believes that it's not just tip money or what's left, that it is a first fruit, it's first. Uh, StorySide is in the eight percentile uh, of churches that has been able to stay steady uh, over 2020. And so I'm very grateful uh, for your generosity and even those that are new to giving I had a family two weeks ago said that it was their first week uh, Starting and then this week 
uh, a man, Jason, it was his first week that he gave just this week. And so uh, whether you've been giving for years or you're new to giving, I appreciate your generosity to the kingdom of God. And sometimes people ask, we'll share more in depth at, at different times throughout the year, but sometimes people will ask, when I, when I give money to StorySide, where does it go? And ultimately, my first thought is, well, when we give, uh, we give to God. So we give through StorySide, but it's not like you're giving to StorySide or giving to Micah. When you give, you give to God. But it's a very valid question um, when people are wondering, uh, what am I sowing into? Is it uh, good ground? And so I want to give you just a, a breakdown on the screen before we go into our message today and share with you when you give uh, to StorySide, here is where uh, out of $1 where your giving would go. So 10% goes to missions and outreach. Some years that actually hits 11%. Uh, so this is a lot of numbers based off a typical year. So our accountants, we have several. Uh, this would have been 2019. Uh, but our church uh, compensation last year was 44 cents on the dollar. Uh, this year, uh, we're actually on pace. We're probably going to be about 40 cents. We're actually four cents down. I know some people think we're taking the money. We're actually taking less uh, this year on the, on the compensation side of it. Uh, service and campus expenses, you'll see there building maintenance, debt payments, 10% is administrative and other. I, of course, can't give you all of the details because it would take up all of my time today and I really want to preach, but let me give you a few examples if you're wondering, well, what, what does those words even mean? So under building maintenance and debt payments, just a few things. So you would have your principal and interest expense on building loans. You'd have all your lawn care, your plowing, anything related to the building I shared last weekend. So we, we have, I, I believe it's six HVAC units. One went out last week, was $27,000. Uh, so that, that, would, that would be an example, something like that. Uh, this week we got new uh, kids check-in for those families waiting in line. It's on its way. We got new kids check-in. Uh, equipment, and so that, that was several thousand dollars. Uh, we ordered new mics. Uh, some of our mics have been in and out. We ordered new mics. Uh, those were about $4,500 for some mics and sound stuff we ordered. So just giving you some examples that when that bucket goes by, you text to give, you give online, and you're like, where is that going? That would be, that would be one of the things. So you'd have compensation, building maintenance, debt payments, a service in campus. That would be all campus expenses, that would be different events and conferences, media supplies, uh, volunteer usher supplies. So that, that would go into the service and campus category. Admin and other, that would be our accounting services. So it's funny, we have several accountants, but one of them is $100 an hour. And I know some, some of you that are business leaders, you're like, that's a great deal. I pay more than that. Others are like $100 an hour. So it depends on which extreme you're on. Uh, but it's interesting when, when we're using them. And I'm always like, make it quick. Have your questions ready. Those that are business leaders. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but our copy machine, I believe that was $28,000. So that, that would go into admin and other marketing, TV, radio, software for, for uh, giving background checks. Uh, safety is a big thing here at StorySide. So at all locations, we don't want people working in kids. Uh, we don't want people counting money, different things that have issues in their background. If they're going to have access to rooms, restrooms, all of that. Uh, and so we will spend a lot of money just in background checks and Hopefully for, for, you, for you that give, safety is as important to you as it is to me so that it's worth every penny. Uh, property insurance policies, real estate taxes, uh, some of our property like next door and other places, even some here on the property, they're not exempt, just the church and things. Some of these other properties, that, that would go into that. Then of course our missions and outreach, uh, that's over two pages so I can't get into all of that, but it's everything from church planning to Richland Pregnancy, uh, Pregnancy Center, 
uh, Belleville Neighborhood Outreach. We do our feeding downtown. The list goes on. We give to India, Cuba, uh, Venezuela. Uh, that, so all of that would go into our missions and our outreach. So uh, for those of you that wonder sometimes when I give a dollar, where does it go? Especially those of you that are new to giving, that would be a general breakdown of where it goes. And hopefully all of us would agree ultimately it goes to God. Uh, so I love you, StorySide. I appreciate uh, all of your... I appreciate all of your giving. I want to talk to you in the next 20 or 30 minutes about a message I've been working on for several weeks now, and I've been so excited to share uh, this message. I know I can't see everyone online. Maybe you can let me know in the comments, but how many in the room, just by a show of hands, uh, you have a child? You're a parent. You have a child, just hands raised. Uh, any grandparents in the room? Just raise your hand. Any grandparents? Anyone with, with nephew, nieces, maybe even you're a guardian, you work with kids. So I know we have several school teachers uh, here at StorySide. I'm going to be talking a little bit today about generations. And so just even knowing in the room, maybe who I am speaking directly to, I, I'm asking that God would open up your heart and would speak to you today. Speaking about children, I heard the joke about the pregnant woman from Washington, D.C. who got into a car accident and she, she fell into a deep coma asleep for several months, uh, when she wakes up, she actually sees that she's no longer pregnant. And she's frantic. She's panicking. She calls for the doctor and she asks the doctor, where's my baby? The doctor responds. He said, well, ma'am, actually you had twins. You had a boy and you had a girl and your brother from West Virginia came in and he gave them names. The mom loses her mind. And she says to the doctor, no, please, not my brother. Please tell me, not my brother. He's not very smart. She asked the doctor, what's my daughter's name? The doctor responded, Denise. The woman said, well, that's not a bad name. I actually like it. What's the boy's name? Denephew. Uh, <laughs> that's not funny. Uh, that's bad, isn't it? 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning to read at verse number 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know, you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors to empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Notice that. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Final two verses, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is, what is left. I want to talk to you in our time together today. Uh, on the subject, there is more. Can we say that together? There is more. Can we say it one more time? There, there is more. I have been working on this message several weeks and even naming it, there is more. 
I woke up today and my memory on Facebook from three years ago today was the video, There Is More. I was unaware of that when I initially was working on the message and named the message, but it was just a great reminder to me that even on a crazy week like this week, there is, there is more. And I pray that you won't just hear with natural ears today. I pray that your spiritual ears would be open. You would hear God's word today. Here's, there's a lot that jumps out to me in these verses, but, but here's something I think right at the very start that I notice when she comes to the man of God and she is going to tell him, she's going to tell him, she cries out and she's going to tell him, my husband is dead. It's going to give more of the details of what's going on in her story, but she's going to tell this man of God, Elisha, she's going to say, you know that he revered the Lord. You know that he revered the Lord. One thing over my years of pastoring and ministry that I've noticed is when people get into a tough time, it is very natural for them to start trying to connect it with something bad they've done. So I've pastored for a long time, and people will do that very often. If something goes wrong in their life, when they tell me about it, they'll often say, do you think God is punishing me for? Do you think this is happening because? Do you think... And while there are consequences in life, I understand that. You know, Galatians talks about sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. What I want you to notice and what I want you to realize is that in this story, this woman is facing this pressure. She's facing this problem. And she is going to tell Elisha, you know, you know that my husband revered the Lord. The reality is that good people can go through tough times. Good people, like really good people, can go through tough times. When you look at the tough times she's going through, there's loss and there's grief. For those of you that have lost someone that you loved, it's not been as easy as just a day or two or three later, you just move on with life. Some of you months or even years later, you're still struggling with, is it wrong to laugh? Is it wrong to smile? I, I, you know, I don't even know, Micah, if I feel right trying to move on in my life because grief can cut to the very core of who you are. This woman has loss and grief. She then is going to tell us about the timing, the timing. She, she, she's going to reference her husband's death. She's going to tell us about her current financial status. Then she's going to tell us that the creditor is coming. Not is going to come. She says the creditor is coming to take my sons. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt like you were running out? When you read this story, when you read this story, this woman is not just running out. She's not just running out of oil, if you would. She's not just running out. We, we, we're going to read that in the story. She's not just running out of oil. It would tend to tell us that she's running out of time. Sometimes time 
can almost be more mentally impactful than the oil. She has a little bit of oil, but it sounds like she only has a little bit of time. Have you ever had a moment in your life where it would seem like this tick-tocking that you're hearing is not, it's not just your, it's not just your phone telling you the time. It's not just the clock on the wall. I remember when I was a, a child, my parents, you know, they spent time on mission fields in Russia and, and Germany and Hungary and Romania, different places. And, you know, they had bought this cuckoo clock and it had all these things dangling and chiming and making noises. And, you know, sometimes when you go through a tough time in life, it's not just the time on your phone or the clock on a wall. Sometimes it's the clock up here that you put your head on your pillow at night and you're thinking, I don't know how much more time that I have to get through to my son or daughter. I don't know how much more time that I have to see this relationship turn around. Maybe some of you even in your ministry and calling, you would say, Pastor Micah, I am. And you would put your age in there and you would say, I just don't know how much more time I have for God to work all of these dreams that I thought he was going to do. This woman seems like when she comes to the man of God that she is battling all of these timelines not only in the natural but even in the spiritual. And so we ask ourselves that question as we start our message today. Have you ever felt like you were running out? Have you felt like you didn't have enough? And for this woman, the creditors and the consequences are closing in. And it's in this moment, it's at this time, that the Bible says she goes to the man of God. You see, here's one thing that I've learned over my years is that when some people are in trouble, they don't go to the man of God. I've met, I've met people even on a week like this that when times get tough, they can get frustrated or aggravated and they want to stay away. The last thing they want to do is lift their hands and worship. The last thing they want to do is see that smiling face Regina referenced. The last thing they want to do is to be in an environment like this. But I would submit to you today that like this woman, the greatest place you will ever go when you have a problem is to the presence of God. There is no place that you and I need to be like his presence. When she goes to the man of God, I think it's a gentle reminder to all of us. I think it's a fair question to ask, where do you go when you're in trouble? Where do you go when you're in trouble? Where, where, do, you go, where do you go when you look at your oil? Now, your oil could be peace, it could be faith, it, it could be sleep and rest. It, it could be, you know, peace of mind. I, I don't know exactly what your oil would represent today, but where do you go when you don't have enough? Where do you go when you feel like you are not enough? What a great reminder today that this woman, when you read these seven verses, you're wondering, well, what if the creditors come while while you're talking to Elisha. You said the creditors are coming. Well, what, what, what if they show up and you're not even there? You know, sometimes in life, 
We'll start thinking about all the other things we got to get done and God's presence could like slip down the list or line a little bit. But this story would tend to, 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 to cause us to believe that this woman was desperate. I need to know what is God saying? I need to know what is God telling me to do? And at the expense of everything else going on in her life, she comes to the man of God. Elisha asked her the question, what do you have? What do you have? Think about even today how often our responses are reactionary. Think about it. Things happen, especially if it stirs up your emotions, and immediately you can want to start responding. You want to post, you want to say, you want to tell, you want to comment. It's very natural. It's very natural. You can want to spew or spit out or say something because in that moment, you're feeling all of, for, for her, she has these consequences. She has this TikTok, you know, thought thing going on in her, in her life. She has all these timelines. And he says, what do you have? And she says, nothing. Nothing. Because all of us, all of us, if we are not careful, can respond. It's, it's, not, it's not just reaction. There's a lot of things, but it could be fear-filled. You know, maybe this woman is feeling the fear that's crashing in on her, and her response is nothing. And then the Bible tells us, I don't know if she catches her breath. I don't know if she like jogs her memory, and she's like, oh, I, I uh, forgot about this for a minute. And she says, accept. You know, I would love in the room and online today, I would love in the room and online, I've been working on this message for weeks, not even knowing how the message would fall or land on this Sunday, but I would love if the Holy Spirit would remind somebody today of your accept. That, that maybe coming into this moment right now, your emotions were saying nothing. I'm so sick of it. I'm so tired of it. I, I, have, I don't have nothing to say. I don't have... And maybe the Holy Spirit right now is just pressing pause and saying, I need you to remember what's on that spiritual counter in that cupboard. I need you just to take a moment and remember what is your accept? What is the word I have given you? What is the scripture I have told you? Things like, I will have a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Things like the glory of the latter house or the last house will be greater than the former. What is it that the Holy Spirit needs to remind you of today? For this woman, she said, I have nothing except. Here's the truth sometimes for all of us. When we are focused on what we don't have, we often lose sight of what we, what we do have. When we are focused on what we don't have, we often lose sight of what we do have. I was sitting... Last night, my daughter, she's in seventh grade, and she's playing basketball, and she's learning to dribble between her, her, her legs, and she's learning how, how to dribble with her left hand, and she's learning how to do the double-sided layups. And, you know, I, I was, I was going to go out in the woods last night, and she's like, Dad, just watch me play basketball. And so I go outside thinking, okay, three, four, five minutes, and it turns into probably 90 minutes. But she, she's showing me all these moves, and 
her three different types of passes, and I'm passing to her, and she's trying to get a quick release without rushing it. And it was just a great, great time. The sunshine, the weather. I love this time of year. But my mind was thinking even about this message in that moment because this week I could be bombarded with emails and texts and calls and Pastor Micah, what about? And, and I'm sure you have those things too. It'd be all kinds of things that go on in your life that's trying to point you to what you don't have. And in that moment last night, it's almost like the Holy Spirit made my eyes look at this little 12-year-old bouncing up and down that's trying to dribble between her legs. And it's almost like God was telling me, but what do you have? And how many of you today, the Holy Spirit needs to remind you in this moment, in this season, I know you can tell me your list of what you don't have, but what do you have? What are you blessed with? Did a vehicle start today? Do you have food in a cupboard? Do you have a roof over your head last night? Is the Holy Spirit in your life? I know there's some things you don't have, but could you have a moment right now except except, except you have something and the enemy is counting on you overlooking it, but God is trying to jog your spiritual memory and mind right now. There is more and I'm not done and I haven't finished writing the story and I want to remind you today, come on story side, there is, there's more. The miraculous often comes from what's left. If you were to open up your Bible, you would find that David, King David, King David who's going to accomplish great things for God, he's not the first one they march out to say, is this the king? He's, he's not Eliab, he's not Shammah, he's not Abinadab, he's not three or four or five. He's the one that they say, well, there's one more out in the wilderness watching over sheep because God has a way of working with what's left. You know, when Gideon accomplishes great victory, it's not the mass army. It's this group is taken away and these ones are subtracted and he gets down to just a couple of hundred guys left and God says, okay, let's go. It's not working for six months. It's, it's, it's not spending X amount, a hundred denarii to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. They've been hungry for days and the disciples are saying, we're out of options. There's nothing we can do. And all of a sudden, here comes a guy through the crowd saying, I found a lunch bag and Jesus said, let me bless it and let me break it. I want to remind someone today, don't underestimate what you have left. Don't give up on what you have because God has a way of showing up in that moment and doing something that is exceeding and abundant and beyond what you even imagine God could do. There is more. In our final few minutes together today, Elisha is going to tell this woman, I want you to gather vessels. Everyone say gather vessels. He's going to tell her, I want you to go inside. I want you to go inside. I'm going to tell her, I, I want you to include or involve your sons. I'm just stepping you through the verses we read. He's going to tell her, when you go in, I want you to close the door. I want you to shut the door. Then the story is going to culminate with not only her coming to the preacher when she's in need, she's going to come back to the preacher when she has surplus. You know, sometimes people will only tell you the piece of the story. When you have a problem, come to God. Well, you don't just come to God when you have a problem. 
You come to God on the other side of your problem. You let God know how thankful you are. You let God know how appreciative you are. You let God know without you I wouldn't be anything. And the woman is trying to show us some lessons of how we deal whether or not we're low or whether or not we're high. He gives her this direction. And so she is going to go and she is going to prepare. She is going to prepare for the miracle. She's going to prepare the place. He said, when you go inside, take your sons, and I want you to close, I want you to close the door. I want you to think about that just for a moment today. He said, when you go in, I want you to shut, or I want you to close the door. It's miraculous preparation. You know, sometimes people will say, Pastor Mike, I want a miracle, but they leave the door open. They leave the door open to negativity. They leave the door open, open to pessimism. They leave the door open to negative influences and habits. They, they leave the door open to people who are saying it's impossible to happen. Here's the reality. If we had time today, I could step you through rooms from Genesis to Revelation where not everyone in the room should stay in the room. Prime example would be Jesus going into Jairus' house and there's a commotion and there's fear and they're saying she's already dead. And Jesus said, I need all of you guys to leave. And he closes and he goes into this daughter's room and says, Talitha Kumai with Peter, James, and John and the parents. Sometimes you need to go in the room and you need to close the door. What if today God's Holy Spirit is trying to challenge someone, I need you to close the door. I want to give you a miracle, but you've got the door of social media open. You you have the door of negativity open. You have the door of division open. Some of you need to go in the room today and spiritually close, close the door. Are there things that you're leaving open that should be closed? You're saying, I want a better marriage. Well, then why are you still talking about your failure from seven years ago? You're saying, I want to turn around in my family, but you're still digging up where you was two churches back. You're saying, I want the peace of God, but you're still beating yourself up from a decision three months ago. Well, sometimes the miracle includes closing the door. God has forgotten about some things you're still remembering. Maybe today the greatest gift you could give yourself, go in and close the door. We're not arguing about that anymore. We're not rehashing that anymore. We're not talking about that anymore. That was then, that church, that job, whoever said what, done what, I'm going to close the door on that, and I'm going to say, but what are you doing now? In November 2020, what are you doing in my life right, right now? So we close our message today. So we close our message today. I'm going to see who's down here. Travis, why don't you come up and help me? Will, will you come up and help me? Chef Chloe, you come up with me too. Who we got down here? I need to like come down and see. I'm going to start squinting. I'll never make it. Who we got down here? Why don't, why don't you come up with me, Anna? Why don't you come up with me? I love the Overholt crew. <laughs> you want to come up with me? Come on up here with me. You guys can go and just find, what, you guys just want to find a seat back there? The, uh, who's, who's back here? Who's back here? Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you come up with me, Matt? Will you come up and find a seat? Some of you are like, just stare straight ahead. Don't lock eyes with them. If you lock eyes with them, <laughs> if you lock eyes, like right over here, Adam Wade was dead straight ahead. He did not even flinch to the left. He's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I love you. 
<laughs> that was funny. I was walking by. He was like a mannequin. Uh, he was like, whoa. Steve Chamberlain, why don't you, why don't you come up with me? How, how, many's up, how many's up there? How many chairs we got left? So Steve Chamberlain's the last one? All right. Come on down. You're the next con- contestant, huh? You replaced Adam Wade. Um, that's not funny. That's a good group back there. So we're getting ready to close our message today. But it's very interesting to me, it's very interesting to me, Craig, that Elisha says, Elisha says, I want you to include your sons. You guys raised your hands a few minutes ago. I'm a parent, I'm a grandparent, I, I'm an uncle, I'm an aunt, I'm a guardian. I'm... It's very interesting to me that that happened, Crystal, because the creditors are coming for them. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the weight that this mother's feeling? And Elisha says, I want you to take what little bit you have left, and I want you to, I want you to take your sons, I want you to take your sons into the room, take them in, I want you to close the door. They gather all of these vessels, they gather all of these vessels from the neighbors. A few weeks back, a few weeks back, I was um, in my morning prayer at the house and started reading this story that I've read many times over the years. I started reading this story and I just saw it through a little bit different lens, Chris. I just saw it through a little bit different light, some of which I've already shared. But I started viewing it through the lens of my four kids, Brooklyn, Jalen, Eliana, Micaiah. I started viewing it through the lens of young leaders that God has blessed me here with, people like you, Lane, and, and many, I started thinking about you, uh, people like, like Parker. And I, I started thinking about our young leaders. Started thinking about the internship. And then I started thinking, I don't know if he's in the room right now or, or if he'll be at one of the other services, but I started thinking about people like Dr. Brad, and people that, you know, junior powers and different ones that believe in us being a church of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all generations. We're not just a church for young people. We're not just a church for middle age. We're not just a church for, for the experienced and age and elderly. We're a church for all three, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And I started that morning just in the dark, sitting in my office at home, being so stirred with this story. Thinking about what kind of rooms... What kind of rooms do I want for my four kids? What kind of rooms do I want for StorySide? What, what, kind, what kind of rooms? If I'm, if, I'm going to, if I'm going to include them in the process, what kind of rooms do I believe that God would like us to include our sons, if you would, in? Here, here are some things that jumped out to me, and I'll close with this just in the last few minutes. The first was that I see from this story was a collaborative room. A collaborative room. This, 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 was, where, this was where they started gathering the vessels. This is where they start getting all of the vessels from the neighbors. 
Maybe, you know, we're, we're not led to believe that the sons were like standing there when she's talking to Elisha. I don't know if the mom was like, hey, just go quick, go down this road, go around that corner, go talk to the neighbor, get a hold. I, I don't know exactly how the story played out. But it's a collaborative room, if you would. That, that they are going to gather vessels, Nathan. Empty vessels. And they're going to take them into this room. You see, here, here's the thing in, in 2020, if we're not careful. If we're not careful in 2020, some people can't even talk to the church down the road. That if you went and asked the church down the road, can I borrow a vessel? They might tell you no. You say, Pastor Micah, why are you always praying for 247 churches in the area? Because I want to raise my kids to be in collaborative rooms. Amen. That we know. That we know there's not one church that can reach everyone in Morrow County or Wayne County or Knox County or Richland County. We know there's not one building or one church that could do everything for the kingdom of God. It's going to take the body of Christ. You look down the row and you say, but some people look different than me. They're a different age than me. They're a different skin color than me. They parent different than me. But if you're going to see the miracle, you have to believe in a collaborative effort. Do you got a vessel? Do you got a gifting? Can you hold a door? Can you make a coffee? Can you be on the safety team? Can you watch over the kids? Can you sing? Because we're going to get all of the vessels together and say, God, we're believing you to give Ohio a miracle that is above and beyond anything we imagine." but that doesn't happen that doesn't happen unless you have people that believe in a collaborative effort I want my kids we pray for churches often angel would tell you that we'll pass churches and we'll put our hand toward them and just pray God bless this church we pull, we'll pull, in, pull into Crossroads pull into Heartland Alliance pull into churches here in town park in their pocket, parking lot just pray over these churches as a family I want my kids to remember that I want my kids to remember that, that dad didn't just try to grow StorySide. It's a collaborative room. It's miraculous inclusion. Because what good is it? What good is it if Micah goes to India and sees eyes that go straight, which I did? What good is it if while I'm in India and see a man, they said they carried seven miles, he couldn't walk. I watched him walk out of there. What good is it if I see all the miracles here of Freedom Nights and Pastor Micah, Chris, wherever he's at, just the other day, telling me right down here, I've been clean seven years this week. What good is it if I see the miracle of the oil, but my kids never see it? I was filled with the Holy Spirit at five years old. I know the power of the Holy Spirit. What good is it if I experience those moments and I never tell our interns or our students or our young leaders, it's important that we have miraculous inclusion. Elisha's like, make sure your kids are in there. The second room that I want is faith-filled rooms. Faith-filled rooms. That when we go in the room, I want to be able to tell Steve Chamberlain, Steve, I need you to help me gather vessels. When I tell Matt, Matt, help me gather vessels. When I tell Chloe, help me gather vessels. Travis, help me gather vessels. 
I need you to get students from school. I need you to get college students. I know the stats and numbers say that college age and millennials and people don't want the presence of God. I don't believe that for one second. I'm asking you to help me gather vessels. And when you gather, Anna, when you gather, don't gather a few. I want to be able to tell my four kids, I want to be able to tell my four kids, when they say, Dad, how many are we believing for? When you say there is more, how many's more? Well, one thing I know for sure, because I don't really know, but one thing I know for sure, it's not a few. There's too many hurting people. There's too many broken people. There's too many lost people. When you gather, Regina, don't gather a few. I want our kids and our students to be raised in faith-filled rooms. The next kind of room that I would want them to believe in. So I... I want, them, I want them to be raised in poured out rooms. Steph, poured out rooms. That, that when they remember you, when they remember you, Britt, when they remember you, Desiree, when they remember you, Jeremy, that your whole row of kids back there is like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, something like that. a lot. They're like, tell me something about dad. Tell me something about Jeremy Overholt. Well, he served services and he went to youth and he was on the safety team and he was always sharing his faith and prayed with kids before bedtime. And I would hope that one of the things that our kids remember about us is that we lived a poured out life. That we didn't just end our life with more in us. That when people say, tell me something about Elena Shira. She's on the second row. You've had a rough year, haven't you? You have every reason. In the natural, everyone would tell you you have every right to be online or a statistic or gone or offended or something. You're on the second row. You helped us baptize 40-some people the other Sunday. I was actually a little bit surprised. You're helping, you're serving, your towels, and I'm thinking, wow, to come out of what you came out of, it was like, here's a towel, and here's where you sign in, and here's where we're baptizing you. And so I don't have all the answers on the planet, but one thing I know is that when we end our life, one thing they'll be able to say is they just kept pouring out. Creditors are coming, they kept pouring out. They're all the way at the bottom, they kept pouring out. I want our kids to be raised to say they lived a life of pouring out. Another word that stood out to me is just the word oil. Part of it is that oil represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And I want my kids to be raised in oil-filled rooms. I think one of the saddest stories that would ever be told is if I took Brooklyn Jalen and Eliana and Micaiah and I went in the room and I closed the door and I didn't take the vessels and I didn't take what was left and I raised my kids in an empty room. Empty of the presence of God, empty of the anointing, empty of miracles, empty of a move of God. I think one of the saddest stories that would ever be told is that we had three songs and a sermon, that we had a building and some property, but we never fully embraced the presence of God. I'm asking you today, I'm asking you today to be that parent, that grandparent, that aunt, uncle, that spiritual leader. I'm asking you to be a person that says, God, I want to do my part 
in creating an oil-filled room. You say, how do I do that? Get over the concept and the worries of what's someone going to say if I cry? What's someone going to think if I raise my hands? What's someone like eight chairs down going to say if I clap my hands? Because in your mind, it's not about all of those people. I'm not here today for all of those people. I'm here because I believe that if I praise him, he will inhabit the praise of his people. And I want the anointing of God here and the presence of God. I didn't just come to say I went to Kroger, I went to Meyer, I went to Walmart, and I went to church. No, I want this moment to be a supernatural moment where we feel the presence of God. I want you and I to raise our families in oil-filled rooms. The final room that I want to raise and I hope that you would join me in saying that you want the same, is what I would call resolute. Can we say that word together? Resolute. I want us to raise our families in resolute rooms. You say, Pastor Micah, have you even looked at Facebook this week? Pastor Micah, did you scan Twitter? Did you turn on the news? Or like, is this like your Canadian naivety or like what's going on right now? Do you even know what's happening? I want to raise my kids to not let their emotions and feelings and lives be governed by what it looks like. Because I don't just walk by what it looks like. You and I don't live by what it looks like. We live by faith. It's not just about what it looks like. Not just about a lunch bag of five loaves and two fish. It's not just about Gideon and 300 men. Not about David being back in the wilderness with some sheep and people don't even know who he is, but God knows. I want my kids from 21 all the way down to 11. I want them to really believe in what I would call a resolute room. Yeah, but the creditors are coming. God's greater than the creditors. But Pastor Micah, there's just not very much left. But in God, in God, there's every single thing that we'll ever need. I want my kids, I want your kids, I want our families to really believe in a resolute room. A room that would say, according to Romans 8, that we know, not think, not maybe, not might, not possibly, but even in 2020, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I don't know how we're going to pay the creditors. We're going to pay the creditors. I, I, don't, I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to make this last, but it's going to last. Now, how we're going to hold on to our confidence, but according to Hebrews, we're going to hold on and not cast it away. My prayer today, story side for you, not just your family and kids, but even you personally, that there would be something stirring you right now just to believe. We're not quitting. We're not throwing in the towel. We will finish. The oil will sustain us. That this is not the time for prevent defense. This is not the time to pull back and be like, wow, we're losing. We're going under. This is our moment. We're failing. No, it's not that time at all. 
Actually, it's time to believe that there is more. There's more for you. God is not done with you yet. The fact you had breath in your body today, it's a reminder God is not done with you yet. You say, Pastor Michael, what do I do? If I want to be part of these rooms you're talking about, if I want the reward of this oil that you read in these seven verses, if I want the reward of hearing well done, if I want the reward of the crown of righteousness the Bible talks about, what do I need to do when I feel like all I have is a little? And for some of you, you may feel like you don't have anything, like you are out of strength, out of anything. What do I do? The scripture that came to my mind this week was Hebrews 10.35. So don't lose your confidence. It will bring you a great reward. If your confidence, if my confidence is in the wrong people and places and the door is just swinging wide open, I'm sure it can feel like we're losing. But if your confidence is in Christ, we sang it earlier, but it's true. We already know how the story ends. I want to challenge you today. I hope you would believe the accept. I don't know what your accept is. I have nothing. Oh, accept. I hope the Holy Spirit challenges someone today. That while all these voices are screaming at you, that it's falling apart and there's nothing, the one voice that matters most is the voice of the Holy Spirit. That you would say, God, right now in this moment, I want to believe you for what's left. So we close our eyes today and pray. There's no one looking around in the room or even online. Can we just say it even with eyes closed? There is more. Can we say it again? There is more. Let's say it one more time. There is more. Maybe today you've been in the wrong room. You've been in the wrong room. You've been at Jairus' room with the commotion. Or maybe you've been in the room of fear. Maybe you've been in the room of negativity and division. But today, God is saying, I need you to get in the right room. I need you to get into a faith-filled room. I need you to get into an oil-filled room. I need to get you to get into, like right now, I need you to get into a resolute room that says we are going to make it, we are going to finish, we are going to hold on, we are going to keep our faith, we are, you need to get into a resolute room. Now I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that you'll be in the right room. I want to pray that you'll include, whether it's your family, those people that you love dearly, that you will include them, miraculous inclusion that you'll include them in the room. God, I pray right now for story side that you would keep people in the room. Keep people in the room. I pray that if there's some that need to shut the door, close the door on some things that, that just continue to sidetrack them, continue to drag them down, I'm, I'm asking you today.
she would help them to close that door. That if there's someone that's seeing the the consequence or the creditor, I'm just asking you today that you would help them to see something besides that today. Help them to see their accept. Help them to see the oil. Help them to see that you're not done, that you're still working. The worst room anyone would ever be in is a room of sin, a room that's without God. And if there's anyone today, either in the room or online, that you're like, Mike, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I don't feel that peace. I don't, I don't feel that confidence you're talking about. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it's been a piece or a part, but you've never really fully surrendered. I want to challenge you today in the room or online. The greatest decision you'll ever make is to go from darkness to light. To go from trying to fix it or figure it out on your own to following Jesus. And so I pray today for every single person, whether it's someone accepting Christ for the first time or maybe it's that person who's been around for months or even years and years, but they know they need their faith stirred up. They need the peace of God stirred up today. They need the joy of the Lord stirred up today. I pray you would do it even right now as we pray. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all over the room today? Can we just sing this out to him in closing? Would you let your faith, would you let your faith be stirred right now? Come on, let it be stirred in the presence of God. I believe in you. Come on, Storyside. He's the God of miracles. I don't know what the empty vessel is today, but I believe in miracles. And I pray it over your family right now. I pray it over you today. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of miracles. Declare it this morning. I believe in you, God. Do it for the Maxis today. Do it for the Bakers today. Do it for the Thrush family today. Do it for the Enneman family today. The Lewis family today. The Harris family today. I believe in you, Jesus. The Drake family today. Bear family today. I'm believing for a miracle today. Do it for our children today. Do it for our students today. You're the God of miracles. God, I pray for miracles right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for people's faith and belief today. Let it be stirred in the name of Jesus Christ. Let someone believe that you're not done with their story yet. Thank you, God. Sing a little bolder now. We believe. We believe in you. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. We know that. We believe in you. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. One more time. We believe in you. 